Underneath Satan, there are what we call the five generals. The five generals are the five demons that are immediately hierarchically underneath Satan and they are the ones who execute his plans. In some cases they call it the table because it's basically they get to divide up certain things. The first demon under him is Baal. His principal function is to get cultures to succumb to impurity. After that, the next three demons show up. The first is Asmodeus. Then there's the demon of Leviathan. Then there is the spirit of Lilith, Balfamet is the fifth one, and he's the demon of sacrifice. And so now our country is in the hold of the top five demons in hell other than Satan. There's a problem the people on this earth don't understand, and it's really big. The Apostle Paul said, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He told the Thessalonians this, Who are you really? You are a spirit and soul who lives in a body. Whether you realize it or not, you your spirit and soul will never die like your body will because who you really are is spirit and soul, and they are eternal. Only your body is temporal. People in this world have convinced themselves that what they think and what they believe is the truth. So they go on living their life and feel good about what they think is reality. But ask yourself this, what if the Bible is 100% true? What if you continue to live your life trying to satisfy yourself and you ignore everything Jesus said. What if he said about heaven and what he said about hell are all true? When you get stopped for speeding and you tell a cop, well, I didn't see the sign. He won't say, oh, you didn't see the sign. I'm sorry, I'll let you go. No, because we're supposed to be paying attention on the road. Our ignorance is no excuse for us not knowing the law. So why do people think that the most important decision they'll ever make should be something they don't care about knowing for sure. The Bible talks about heaven and hell, and they're both talked about in the book of Revelation. Jesus spoke a lot about heaven, but he also spoke about hell because he wanted to warn mankind that not only is it very real, but it's very horrendous and it's eternal forever. Jesus said to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus also said, if your hand causes you to fall away, cut it off. It's better for you to enter maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, the unquenchable fire. You don't have to be a Hitler to go to hell. All you really have to do is live life on this earth and never receive God's gift of salvation through his son. 
Let me give you just a few verses in the Bible that may cause you to think more about your eternal destination. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you're like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You may think living on this earth for 70 years, 80, even 90 years or longer is a long time, but compared to eternity, it is like a vapor that appears for a time and then it's gone. The Apostle Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then also to the non-Jew. Does that sound like foolishness to you? If it does, he said, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to those of us who are being saved. People in this world are looking in all the wrong places for the supernatural and to really discover who they are. Celebrities can be beautiful and yet be spiritual reprobates through their own ignorance and their complete lack of seeking for truth. The rich and the famous are always seeking for an experience while ignoring the truth. Just like the Apostle Paul said, they're always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. And the devil will help people to stay ignorant and just stay in their unbelief regarding Christ. After you hear what Megan Fox says, I want you to listen to what Bill Weiss describes as his personal experience when he actually went to the real hell. I was thinking it was like glamping or something like that, still gonna be like a some kind of five-star experience. And you get there and you really are in the middle of the jungle and you don't get to eat after like 1 p.m. You have to walk a very far distance to get your water. You can't shower because they're in a drought, so you can't use the water, obviously. Like, you need to respect the rainforest. Mm -hmm. um, nothing glamorous about it. It's all a part of sort of making you vulnerable so that you surrender to the experience. So you go, and we were with 20 other strangers, and you all line up at, like, the, the edge of the rainforest over this weird fence, and you go three by three, and you drink lemongrass tea until you like by n not your own volition, just vomit everything out of your body. Am I ready to just like throw up in front of all of these people? That gets you ready to then go into the ceremony that night because you're like, I, my vanity is gone. I've just done this in front of all of these strangers. And like, now I'm ready to like really open up. So we did it for three nights. It was incredibly intense. I went to, everybody's journey is different. The second night I went to, to hell for eternity. Um, yeah. And to just knowing eternity is um, like t torture in itself because there was no beginning, middle, or end. So you have like a real ego death. I mean, it's I, I was it's your own psychological hell basically is the point of the medicine, right? This is a medicine that goes it surpasses like anything you could do with talk therapy or like hypnotherapy or any of those things. It just goes straight into your soul and it takes you to the psychological prison that you hold yourself in. So it's it's your own version of hell. And I was definitely there. This is Bill Weeds describing how he went to hell for 23 minutes and what hell was really like. Nothing unusual about the night. Um, I had never studied the topic, topic of hell at that point. I had never gone to dark movies. I've never drank. I've never taken drugs. And I never had a vision before. We came home like any other normal night. I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning just to get a glass of water. I was walking to our kitchen. And right in about the living room, something grabbed me and pulled me out of my body, like being drawn up out of your body. And I found myself falling through the air down this long tunnel. And I was getting hotter and hotter. And I landed on a stone floor in a prison cell in hell. I was fully awake and cognizant, just like I'm standing here now. I had no idea how I got there or why I was there. A filthy, stinking, smoke-filled, but like a dungeon. But see, Isaiah 24, 22 says, And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison.
Proverbs 7, 27 mentions going down to hell to the chambers of death. The word chambers means inner rooms. Job 17, 16 says, they shall go down to the bars of the pit. Jonah 2, 6, the earth with her bars was about me forever. And the Tyndale, the New International, many other commentaries point out that Jonah was at the gates of hell and that it was literal bars and gates. Well, that's why I first found myself. And the first thing I noticed was the intense heat. It was so far beyond the ability to sustain life. I wondered, how could it be alive in this place? And uh, I, w I wanted to get up and run. That was my first reaction. But I noticed I had no physical strength in my body. It took so much effort to move. But see, Isaiah 14, 9 and 10 says, Hell from beneath is moved to meet thee at thy coming. They will say, Art thou become weak as we? And Psalms 88, 4 says, I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that has no strength. Now, if you ever had the flu and you felt weak, a thousand times worse. Any movement takes tremendous effort. But see, Acts 17, 28 says, In him we live and move and have our being. Movement isn't automatic. It's from God. I looked up in this cell and I saw these two enormous beasts, creatures, pacing like a vicious caged animal. And these particular two are about 12 or 13 feet tall. It's not an exaggeration. I could give you scripture for that too, but I got to keep moving. And um, they were reptilish in appearance, bumps and scales all over the one's body, uh, huge jaw, sunken in eyes, claws about a foot long. And um, they were uh, pacing like the most vicious animal. And the one of them picked me up like I weighed the weight of a, like this bottle, threw me into the wall of this prison cell. I hit the wall. I felt as if every bone in my body had broken. Now, a spirit maybe doesn't have bones, but it felt that way. I collapsed on the floor wondering, how could it be alive through this? But I have to explain one thing. I understood that I did not feel most of the pain. I had the understanding that it was being blocked. And I didn't understand, but on the way back, the Lord explained to me that he blocked most of the pain, but he did allow me to feel a small amount of it so I could relate to people. It's not metaphorical. It's not a state of the mind. It's real literal pain you're going to feel in hell. But the amount I felt was enough. The other demon grabbed me, picked me up, and dug its claws into my chest and just tore the flesh open. Again, how, how could I be alive through this? I should be dead. I noticed I had a body. Matthew 10, 28 says, Fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And remember Luke 16, the rich man Jesus talked about in hell. He wanted a drop of water to cool his tongue. He had a mouth to speak. He had eyes to lip. He had a tongue. So you have some kind of a body in hell, but it withstands these torments. But something else I noticed, there was no blood or water coming from the wounds. It was just all dry. But see, Leviticus 17, 11 says, The life of the flesh is in the blood. Well, there's no life in hell, so there's no blood. And Zechariah 9.11 says, Thy prisoners out of the pit where there is no water. There's not one drop of water in hell. And these demons have no mercy over you whatsoever. They hate you. And But see, Psalms 103.17 says, The mercy of the Lord is upon those that fear him. Well, they don't fear him in hell. So you don't derive that benefit. And um, about this time it went dark. Now, I believed it was God's presence there to illuminate it so I could see to describe to people what it looks like. But then he withdrew his light and hell resumed its normal state of absolute pitch black darkness. But Lamentations 3, 6 says, He has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. Jude 13 mentions blackness of darkness forever. But it wasn't just dark. You could actually feel it. 
And that's not an exaggeration. Exodus 10.21 mentions a darkness that may be felt. Uh, it's so wicked and evil that the darkness just seems to penetrate through every cell in your body. I was taken out of this prison cell and I was placed over next to this large raging pit of fire. This pit was about a mile across, like a huge hole in the ground, about a mile across, deep hole. I, I don't know how I knew it was a mile. I just understood that it was. I can't explain that. But there, this was filled with fire, flames raging high up into this open cavern. And, um, you know, so it's not metaphorical fire like some say. It's real, literal flames. I felt the heat. I saw the fire. But more importantly, it's what the scripture says. Psalms 11.6 says, Upon the wicked he will rain fire and brimstone in a horrible tempest. Psalms 140 verse 10, Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into deep pits. Matthew 13, 49, the angels to sever the wicked from the just and cast the wicked into a furnace of fire. Isaiah 33, 12 says, the people shall be as the burnings of lime. They shall be as thorns cut up and thrown into the fire and burned. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? Many more verses about fire. But this is where I could first see people. I could see through the flames. And it's the most awful sight to see a person on fire. Most of us have never seen that. But to see someone burning. Now, I could not distinguish a man from a woman. They just look like skeletons. And it appeared to me like flesh hanging off their bones. I, it was the most horrible sight. And the screams coming from the people was so loud and deafening. You want to get away from the screams, but you can't. But Isaiah 57, 21 says, There is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. There's no peace of mind of any kind. But see, Isaiah 32, 18 says, my people dwell in a quiet resting place. You're not God's people. She don't ever get to enjoy quiet. You hear, hear these horrible screams forever. Uh, I understood I was down deep in the earth. I descended to get there. I ascended when I left. Uh, but I understood that's where I was at. But more importantly, there's 49 scriptures that point out where the current hell or Hades is. I'll just give you two addresses. Ezekiel 26, 20, number 16, 32, and 33. Very clear it's down deep in the earth. I also understood there were different levels of torment and degrees of punishment. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 23, 14, you shall receive the greater damnation. That infers a lesser damnation. Or Matthew 10, 15, he said, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. That infers a less tolerable. Or Hebrews 10, 28 says, of how much worse of a punishment Suppose it shall be for you, you who have trodden underfoot the Son of God. There's a worse punishment. But my point is there is no tolerable, comfortable level in hell. Any level is far worse than your mind can even conceive. I wanted to uh, let my wife know where I was at. I just wanted to say goodbye. But I understood I'll never get that opportunity. See, Job 7.9 says, He that goes down to Sheol shall come up no more. Sheol is the Hebrew word for the current hell. Hades is a Greek word. But I had that understanding, I'll never get out. And see, you don't know what that's... Well, you can't imagine what that's like to have no finality with your family. That you can't say goodbye. You, you can never tell them where you're at. See, death does not mean cease to exist. Death means separation from God. You cease to, you're still exist down deep in the earth. And to never see her again, to not let her know where I'm at and say goodbye, that thought alone was really tormenting to endure that you have to endure for all eternity. I mean, you'll never see any of your family. You'll never hug your kids again. Nothing. 
that's gone, a thing of the past. I wanted to talk to a person, just anybody, because there's pleasure, right, in being with people. Even if you don't know them, it's pleasure to be with a person. But see, those people I saw in the pit, they're all kept at a distance. So you have no conversation. You're isolated. You're by yourself in hell for all eternity. You'll never have another conversation with anybody. And you have no purpose, no destiny. It's just a complete useless wasting away. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, There is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in Sheol. And it doesn't matter if you're somebody famous here. No one would know who you are there. You have no identity. Ecclesiastes 6.4 says, Your name is covered in darkness. And you're forgotten in hell. Psalms 88.12, Isaiah 26.14, Deuteronomy 32.26. All these point out that you're completely forgotten. You know, that's an awful thing. That, that nobody up on the earth has given you a thought. You know, most people don't realize that most people are down in hell. You know, if you go to a funeral today, no matter what the religion, they usually say, well, they've gone to a better place. But that's not true. Jesus said in Matthew 7, many are going to hell and few are going to heaven. The stench in hell is the most foul, putrid, disgusting odors, worse than any open sewer, anything you can imagine. But remember, Jesus rebuked the foul spirits, Mark 9, 25. Demons have a disgusting foul odor to them, uh, death, decay, and also flesh, people burning. That is a disgusting odor also. And on top of that, you know, the smell of burning sulfur. Now, if you go to Hawaii to the volcano, they have signs posted where you cannot go past a certain point because the toxicity of the sulfur coming up, it's called sulfur dioxide. And if you breathe it, it will kill you. It's toxic. Well, sulfur is just another word for brimstone. And the word brimstone's all through the Bible. So you're breathing in this foul, putrid, disgusting air that you don't want to breathe. And it's, I mean, it uh, would make you vomit. And, but it's even worse than that because there's not enough air to breathe in hell. You can't take a nice deep breath. You don't get to do that in hell. There's not enough oxygen. So maybe only an asthma patient can relate to this or a fireman. Uh, this is how you breathe in hell. It was like... That was as much air as you could get. Well, it's not enough. You have the feeling of suffocation. And that's going on for all eternity. But see, Isaiah 42, 5 says, The Lord gives breath to the people upon the earth. You're not upon the earth. You're down deep beneath the earth. God's very specific with His Word. You need to sleep in hell. You never get to go to sleep. Now, if you've ever stayed up for two nights like studying for a test or something. Just try to stay up and don't go to sleep for two nights. You can't even function after two days. You're a wreck. Well, in hell you need to sleep also, but you never get to go to sleep. Revelation 14, 10 and 11 says, uh, and they shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the Lamb and the presence of the holy angels. And the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. Now that primarily means no rest from the torment but no rest of any kind. Because Isaiah 57, 20 said, the wicked are like the troubled sea that cannot rest. You know, the, you know, the sea is always moving, cannot rest. You can't rest in hell. You never get to go to sleep. So you have that feeling ongoing and it gets progressively worse every day. But see, Psalms 127, 2 uh, says, the Lord gives his beloved sleep. Again, you're not his beloved. You don't get to enjoy that benefit of sleep. I was standing next to this big pit of fire. Now, I have to explain, a pit a mile across here on the earth would produce a lot of light, 
right? A filled with fire, that would produce light. But in hell, it doesn't. It is so dark, it consumes the light. It doesn't let the light escape. But I could just see through the flames and along the edges. And uh, along the edges um, were individual pits of fire that some people were in their own individual pit. Others were in this big pit. Some were in prison cells. And along, I noticed I was standing beneath a cavern, cavern walls that were ascending up were like a tunnel going up. And all along the cavern walls were demons, all different sizes and shapes, twisted, deformed, and grotesque, all of them. And some were only two and three feet tall. Some were 12 and 13 feet tall. Uh, there were spiders, demons that looked like spiders, but some of them were three and four feet across. I can't give you scripture for that, but I can give you scripture for demons that look like frogs, Revelation 16, 13, and read Revelation 9. John describes a demon coming out of the bottomless pit, the most bizarre creature. Read about that. There's some really bizarre looking things in hell. Horrible. And I noticed, though, I was standing on a bed of maggots. Solid maggots crawling all over everything and everybody. But remember, Jesus said, where their worm dies not, and the fire is not quenched. And he used the word maggot. And I never knew this, but if a dead animal is being eaten by maggots, when they consume the flesh, the maggots die. And that's why Jesus said, where their worm dies not. Because the flesh is never fully consumed in hell, so the maggot feeds sweetly on thee, as Job 24.20 says. Is that disgusting enough? See, Isaiah 14.11 says, where the maggot is spread under thee, and the worm will cover thee. Look it up in the original, it's the word maggot. The fear level that you experience in hell is so far beyond anything you can imagine. You can see the difference there between actual hell, what the Bible says about hell, and what Megan Fox says on one of the biggest talk shows, late night talk shows in the world, and describing hell as just this place she went to in her imagination. But the Bible speaks of something much different. This is an absolutely terrifying place where there's no exits, there's no escaping. Once you go there, you never return. A hundred million years will go by in hell and it'll be like the first day you arrived. Guys, we need to not only warn our friends and family about this place, preach about this place, but make sure that we never end up there. This is absolutely a terrifying place. It's a real place. It's going on right now. People are being tormented as you listen to this video. So I just wanna challenge you what the Bible describes hell, as Bill Weiss just described it, is an absolutely terrifying place. Make sure that you're in right standing with God. Make sure that you're where you need to be. The Bible says that many people are going to go to hell, that few are on the narrow road that leads to life. So choose that narrow road. I hope this put a burden on you. I hope this put just a conviction on you to share with your friends and family and to make sure you never end up in a place called hell. Jesus came to save us from this place, to deliver us from this place. If this video blessed you, share it with a friend or family. Maybe you have an unsafe family or friend that needs to hear this video it might help them out go ahead and share it with them i leave a link in the description box below like i always do that will help lead you in a simple prayer to receive jesus christ if you want to and to start you on a new relationship with god when you realize it's the only decision that you really need to make to be ready for the day you enter eternity this is the only choice you'll ever make on earth that will determine your eternal destiny doesn't matter what you've done good or bad in the end if you're in this world without jesus christ you're in this world without hope and without god think about it